if you want to join us here, you can take control of the airwaves at this phone number, 603-283-6160. at 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Chris. And Bonnie. And Chris, back after a couple weeks not feeling too well. Did you come down with the COVID? I, I or did. Something? I had the whatever the I presume the latest variant is, and it was a it was a really weird man. I I tell you, it, did you have it before? I I, I I'm like ninety nine percent sure I've had it at least once, maybe twice before. Okay, and it's just like it's just been like it it's kind of. It's just so weird, like, because it's like you're kind of sick and you can't do anything, but you got aches and pains, but it's not like the flu because you're, there's nothing, no uh, runny nose or anything like that. And so the whole thing is just, it's just, it's very bizarre. And it's like, uh, like, it's almost like you're not sick, but you are sick and you can't do anything. And you're really low energy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very low energy. And and it's not even like every day. It's like every other day is like really low energy. And it's mm, like, so kind of like a roller coaster. Yeah. Huh? It's you're up and you're down. Yeah. It's kind of up and down, but you, you can't really like. Like some days I was kind of working and, you know, for six hours or whatever and, you know, basically, you know, got stuff done. And then other days I was just like, yeah, I can't do anything today. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Chris Welcome and back. I both didn't get COVID when the whole studio got COVID in March. Oh. So he thinks it was just like a variant he already had the year before. And then now it's like a different variant that. Chris got this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably like, and the symptoms were like very similar to what I what I've had before. Um, but I think this last time was definitely, uh, it definitely took me out for a longer period of time. Hmm. I think a little bit longer, maybe. So, well, yeah. I'm glad to have you back. You look like you're in good health now. Oh yeah, definitely. Did you lose your taste or smell? Sense of smell yeah, no, I, I didn't lose. Um, I didn't. So, so I had a suppressed appetite is one of the things. So, like, I, mm. I lost a bit of weight, and I had some compliments on that. You can <laughs> you can uh, thank COVID for that one. Um, but yeah, no, um, I could definitely. See smell um the taste was suppressed but it, mm. it i don't know it's not like i couldn't taste anything but it just didn't it probably didn't taste right so i guess that's kind of what they mean uh when when they say you can't taste anything but i feel i i don't know i, just, I guess everybody has somewhat different yeah you know, responses because yeah, aria lost her sense of taste i guess completely yeah for me weeks. too i i couldn't taste anything it was I mean, only like a week and a half but I, I only I ate like one meal a day basically, but um, I could definitely taste stuff. Um, and I think maybe you know there wasn't when I did eat like it was frequently like it just didn't taste good because it was um it was just like I I, I think it was more of I wasn't hungry because mm. like my appetite was suppressed and I couldn't taste it so much. So and and then the now other, you don't know for sure it was COVID because you didn't get a test right. right technically could not. it have been just you know cold well, or the flu or something like I that? I don't think so. I mean, I had, I, I feel like I had, a, a, you know, at least half a dozen symptoms that matched up with COVID pretty, mm. pretty clearly. Um, and the other thing is I, I know people who are around me who tested positive for COVID. So, and I, I also know like everybody else is also, even the people who didn't get tested, you, you know, they didn't actually take a test for COVID. They've also been sick. Like it's, it's, it's been a thing here like lately where like everybody's coming down with COVID um, or whatever the latest variant of COVID is. So mm. I'm, I, I mean, it's possible I didn't have COVID, but it sure seems like I did. So, so well, welcome back. Uh, and, of course, we've got a lot to talk about here tonight. I know, Bonnie, you wanted to discuss a psilocybin trial. And, of course, psilocybin's been in the news with uh, various different cities around the country actually decriminalizing it, refusing to enforce it, with the most recent being uh, Detroit, Michigan. It was that. the largest ever study done, so... 
so far. We'll uh, we'll talk about that and, of course, your calls and thoughts about whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. Also, something that came out today, and if you follow Free Talk Live on our social media site at social.freetalklive.com, you already probably saw the link because I linked it earlier. I know you've been spreading it around, uh, Chris, a link to a video uh, that was posted on the Ledger channel. So Ledger's a, a hardware wallet. Uh, they apparently they produce regular short documentary, you know, pieces, if you will. Uh, new, I wouldn't call them news packages; more of a documentary piece on the Crypto Six, and uh, also specifically Keen as the crypto mecca, as a destination for people that want to use cryptocurrency instead of just holding on to it and hoping it goes up, but to actually come. And go to into a place they they got some footage of our co-host Aria kind of touring them around town, and I think that on its own would have made an interesting video. That wasn't the focus of this particular video. The focus was, was more on the Crypto Six, which of course is me and several other people, including a few of our co-hosts Aria and and nobody. Uh, we got raided earlier this year in uh, in March, and your footage was pr- prominent uh, in this, Chris, because you were actually outside of our home that morning you you got wind of the attack against us and i guess you you're probably still awake right like at 6 6 a.m <laughs> so you grabbed your video camera and came out here and uh got you know attacked Assaulted. basically yeah by uh, federal armed goons and local keen police goons who were doing the federal government's bidding a lot of that footage made it into this uh, this release that, again, is on the Ledger channel on YouTube. Yeah, they, they definitely were not ready for people to come and report on what was going on. Like, they didn't have any barriers up or anything. I walked literally... They weren't expecting that. I literally walked right up to the house almost. I was literally across the street from the building and... I was like, I better not cross because if I cross the street, I might get shot. I'll literally be on the property at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, and they, and then at that point, they kind of were coming at me anyway. So I'm like, I kind of took a right hand turn as opposed to crossing the street. Now, you know so. what would have been interesting in if we actually know the people who live right across the street here. They, yeah. They're kind of like, they're kind of free staters. Like they kind of keep to themselves though. They don't really, or at least at the time, I think there's new people living there now and I don't really know who they are. But uh, but at the time of the raid, there were a couple guys there that, that we knew and uh, I presume they just slept through it or whatever. They didn't know what was going on. But wonder what they would have done if it, let's just say it was you that lived yeah. in the house across the street. Would they have been able to actually kick you off of your own property <laughs> in that so, particular case? It, interestingly enough, uh, there was an incident that that was filmed, but hasn't been the video hasn't been published or anything. Um, and I can answer that one. Basically, I was told I was straight out told that if I know the people who live there, like I could be on their property, basically, mm. or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And this is what the police officer told me at one point. So I'm like, oh, this yeah, this is in a completely different scenario. No, this is the day. Oh, related. Of, okay. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like, yeah, and, and I wasn't actually close enough. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I, I was I was basically refuted by by uh, certain people. So uh, mm. because they actually kind of called my bluff at the time. <laughs> gotcha. So, but it would have been. But if it were your property, if, you could have stood in your front. Even yard. if it wasn't, as long yeah. as I knew the people there, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. I could. And the thing is, like, I Weird, knew you the knew people. Us. Well, here's the thing. Like, right. I, okay, so the way they phrased it was, if you something like if you know the people or something, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know the people there. And of course, my uh, the person, the people didn't know me, but mm. I know them because 
they're the neighbors of, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So, so the officer called my bluff and unfortunately they were like, yeah, the people were, they were not, unfortunately they were not our friends, so to speak, neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was a different set of neighbors, but mm-hmm. otherwise I, I may have been able to, but yeah, it was, uh, but the, the crazy thing is they, they kept trying to like block my ability to film. Right. So. Yeah. They don't want. Well, they grabbed your camera in one part. Well, they like kind of push it. In the video oh, yeah, that came they, out today, they you definitely can see did. That. They definitely did. Um, and um, yeah, no, I I was basically a block away. Like they pushed me back a block. Like right. first it, they pushed you back a little bit, yeah. and then they pushed you back. Yeah, a block. It, right. it, it was it was kind of interesting. It was kind of entertaining in in one sense because uh, I actually got like the good stuff happened in the first hour. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't like like I actually had most of what I what you, you know, needed what, what yeah. I needed, yeah. uh, but it's still like I was still wanting to film, sure. and so You're right to do and right, and it was my right. Right. And so I went back a block as they asked. And, um, you they know, didn't I, ask. I, I, right. They didn't ask. I should clarify. They didn't really ask. There's literally men in camouflage but with I did, rifles. So let's put it this way. If I hadn't cooperated in quotes, yeah. um, I would have been arrested. Sure so I did what they told me to right. do. Right. I went yeah. back a block and, um, you know, and I was there for an hour and um, had another person, there, a partner actually came out and, and filmed a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And um, and then after an hour, they came back at us and they pushed us back another block. So we basically couldn't film. Right. And so at that point, I actually went around the uh, um, a, a couple of blocks in order to come out, come at it from the other side, so I could film, and that's when they basically started has- hassling me again, and it, there was no good reason for it. Check out this video; I linked to it over on freetalklive.com, our brand new website. It's more of a blog than the old site was, and now you can just easily go freetalklive.com, click on it, because if you try to search for the Ledger channel on YouTube, you get like some singer first, so it's kind of hard to find their channel. Uh, so check that out, freetalklive.com. Great little documentary about the Crypto Six, including Free Talk Live. We got more coming up. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. documentary short film that was produced and put online by uh, Ledger and you can go and find that over at freetalklive.com and there's a link right to it you just press play if you want on the page or you can link over to it Uh, very very good about 10 minutes long so it won't take a whole lot of your time and it's definitely worth sharing you said you might even put it up on uh, the crypto six website chris and that's of course super cool check out thecrypto6.com to learn more about what happened to us earlier this year and free talk live is brought to you by bitcoin.com if you're ready to start learning about cryptocurrency like bitcoin and bitcoin cash then get on over to bitcoin.com they can help you there there's a uh, getting started at the top of the page you can click that and learn the basics quick little three minute long introductory video you can dig in deeper if you want they've got several videos there that you can watch but at the very minimum you ought to get the basic concepts down about cryptocurrency what makes it special what makes it unique what makes it so different from the government money that we've been forced to deal with for so many generations now that is a situation that is is over now you actually have a choice you can opt out of the government money system of the central banks and get over into the world of cryptocurrency now the government doesn't like it very much but to (laughs) some extent there's not much they can do to stop it so once again go to bitcoin.com and learn about that also they've got the news over at news.bitcoin.com so the latest on what's happening in the world of cryptocurrency you can get it at news.bitcoin.com and they're going to try their best 
to intimidate people. They're going to pass laws. I think this infrastructure bill that that recently passed, the $1 trillion plus dollar infrastructure bill, has new cryptocurrency regulations in it, as isn't, I understand Isn't that it. How, how they said they were going to fund the infrastructure yep. bill was through taxation of crypto? They said that they didn't have to raise taxes to pass this bill. Oh, it's okay, guys. We don't have to raise taxes because what we're... Are you, what are you talking about not raising taxes? They're literally talking about raising That's taxes via a, a tax on crypto. They said, oh, <laughs> we don't have to raise taxes in order to fund the bill. It's going to be funded through the money we get... From the crypto people. Well, it just depends on how you define raise. So they're (laughs) defining raise as taking existing taxes and raising them, whereas they're just creating a whole new tax. See, that's totally different. On something they shouldn't have any right to get money for. People using a system that wasn't created by them. It completely has nothing to do with them. Why, why does the government get money for that? It doesn't make any sense. Well, because basically the rule with governments is uh, if if it moves, tax it. So anytime value moves from one person yeah, it, to another person, they believe they deserve a cut. And, you know, you know, you know, the crazy thing is people people think, oh, well, it's Bitcoin that they're taxing. Right. And I don't use Bitcoin, so it doesn't affect me. The problem is that they're actually talking about taxing uh, dollars in your bank account as well. Anytime you make a transaction, like if you if you swipe a credit card, well, they're going to be there's going to be a tax on that. Are they talking about that? Yeah, they're the? um, they've, they've actually they actually started really? talking about that before the, the whole crypto and infrastructure bill. Wow. So that's actually something that's been talked about more uh, globally, like especially in Europe. Um, but I don't think that was specific to Europe. This is a little while ago, so I don't, I don't, I don't recall all the details details perfectly on it. But yeah, they were. It, it was called like a transaction tax, basically. Huh. So they would t- tax every single transaction, not just like a tax on like so you have a sales tax right well mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a sales tax you'd still have to pay your sales tax right but they'd have another tax on the transaction it's insane yeah so like you you move money from one account to another that's a transaction mm-hmm. that would be taxed um it's crazy wow. but um that's where this is going and they they basically are rolling something to that effect out it seems with this whole infrastructure bill by doing bitcoin first and because you know nobody's not going to have a lot of outrage on that because not a lot of people use bitcoin by comparison but next it's going to be dollars you know it's going to be any any time you move money around in your your bank account or you move uh, money or you pay for a good uh, you know that's that's a transaction is it going to be so, any time or just the any time over $600 no, no, thing any transaction at all i believe is the idea would be taxed effectively so yeah, it's any kind of transaction doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, well, what there's kind of never enough. See, yeah. there's never enough for the government gang. They oh, always and, need more because. And, and the crazy thing is, if like you say have a wire transfer from your bank, that's a mm-hmm. transaction too. Like they'll they'll charge you forty dollars, but now they're going to tax that because that's a that's a yeah another transaction. So right, yeah. So there's actually you'd actually be like I think you you go from having two transactions to four transactions basically, um, because one of them is the the fee that you're paying for the wire transfer plus uh you know the the, the actual wire transfer itself so both of those would be taxed and so you'd end up with another two transactions i'm assuming the transactions that result for the taxes of the transactions are not going to also be taxed but who knows wow it's hard to get your head around all this i mean there's just so much they never stop and that's because the government of course keeps getting bigger and why would they ever stop spending why would they ever stop getting bigger i mean people seem to believe that they can elect republicans and that it's going to change things and the history shows that that's not true the history nope. shows that whenever the Republicans are in charge, the government gets even bigger than it ever did before. So why would anyone believe that there's ever any chance to change anything uh, in Washington, D.C.? The only answer is to get out. The only answer is to leave uh, peacefully 
the United States because this thing is on a downward spiral and it is just going to keep getting worse. The taxes are going to become more oppressive. The regulations are going to become more restrictive and you know, it's going to get ugly. It's already out of control. Yeah. Um, if you look at like inflation, we've already, we're already in seeing, I think it's like seven, I think that's the official number is like 7%. And you know, the unofficial you know number. those are lies. Right. And the unofficial, as, as we saw in Venezuela, you know, there's mm-hmm. an official number and then there's the unofficial number. Right. And we're already seeing, you know, and, and the crazy thing is we've already seen, uh, you know, a sort of inflation through taxation, like with 25% tariffs from on goods from China, for example. Like, we've already seen the cost of goods go up, and that was that's roughly like 13%. Well, now it's going to go up another 7%, and that's more, I think, the direct printing of money that's occurred, and it's kind of catching up. Um, because we because that was already, that already happened right they already printed the money they've already you know been handed it out left and right uh, so you know yeah. it's interesting you mentioned Venezuela I had a story from I don't know a couple weeks ago at this point from the Mises Institute this was being posted over at EurasiaReview.com Joseph Salerno writing about now Venezuelans are turning to gold nuggets. As their local currency continues to implode, the Venezuelan government, as we reported here, recently lopped off six zeros from its hyperinflating currency, the Bolivar. The highest denomination currency note of one million Bolivar, worth at the time less than 25 cents, was then replaced by a one Bolivar note. So if you had a, if you had a one million Bolivar note in Venezuela, you could then exchange it. You would have to exchange it, and you get a one Bolivar note as a result of that. That's what they did. Uh, I think it was at the beginning of October. At the same time, a 100 Bolivar note worth about $25 was introduced as the new highest denomination of the Bolivar. The currency conversion was designed to spare the government the embarrassment of having to issue a 100 million Bolivar note to enable people to purchase everyday items without having to carry around bundles of notes, given that the price of a loaf of bread had risen to 7 million old Bolivars. Of course, the arbitrary scaling down of the denomination of the currency won't slow inflation because the new currency notes can be printed just as cheaply as the old. The Bolivar has already lost 73% of its value in 2021 alone, and the International Monetary Fund estimates that the annual inflation rate will reach 5,500% by the end of 2021. So what are the Venezuelan folks doing about this? Well, they're actually turning to real value. They're looking for alternatives. And gold has historically been a fine hedge against inflation. Uh, So we'll talk about that coming up here. And, of course, uh, on the way, psilocybin, a major test. Bonnie wants to tell us about on coming up. uh, The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bain Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. That's 
And joining you tonight, it's me, Ian. And Chris. And Bonnie. Uh, we actually just had some uh, visitors come in. Actually, a visitor coming in here uh, visiting from Manchester just moved up as part of the uh, the Free State Project, the, the migration of liberty-loving folks coming up here to New Hampshire. And we were just talking about, you know, that the answer is to get out of the United States. Well, the first step for that to happen is people need to get together who have a like mindset. And we're starting to see the, you know, the numbers on those migrations are beginning to increase at quite a clip. Now, uh, Chris, Dramatically. You're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. actually, I don't get to leave the house very much because I'm on some crazy bail conditions, but you get to go to all the meetings I used to go uh. to. Uh, and you get to see, like you said, dramatic. Yeah, like, definitely dramatic. Uh, we've been moving people in left and right. We have had tons of visitors like every week. It's just like, I mean, we've had, I mean, some, some of these, some of the, some days I just, I show up to an event and it's like, you know, we got a dozen people that are like, where'd you guys come from? It's like, and nobody knows each other, you know, like families, basically like different families. And it's, it's been crazy. It's, it's, I, I, I I'm having a hard time keeping up. Yeah, it's a good problem to have for sure, and and we're in one of the smaller parts of New Hampshire. I mean, we're just in Little Keene, which is you know a town of twenty five thousand people in the southwestern corner of the state. There's way more people going out to Manchester. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of newbies showing up every month at the uh, the Manchester. They've got like a new movers party that they throw, and um, it's just full of people. And the Tuesday night thing that they do at Murphy's Top Room. Mm-hmm. Um, the the organizer he said that there's like 50 people there every day yeah, i mean every, every tuesday week. yep yeah i um i talked to some of the people out and i think it was manchester um and they were telling me how like most of the people they don't know they live in manchester and they don't even know most of the people there anymore yeah it's like there's that many people. it's just so many new people yeah so you know if you want to be successful in the liberty movement there's really only one place to do it i think the i think the free state project twitter profile has like a tagline says something to the effect of there are two types of libertarians those who um like winning and like live in new hampshire and everybody else <laughs> you know cuz you're not winning anywhere else if you're a freedom loving yeah. person if you're a libertarian if you're an, a voluntarist if you're an anarchist you know liberty loving anarchist i'm sorry you just aren't having success anywhere else. That's why the whole Free State Project concept was brought into existence, um, because it makes sense to concentrate. Look, there's no shame in admitting defeat, right, and saying, okay, this isn't working. You came from New Jersey. Yep. Uh, Chris, uh, Bonnie, you came from Texas. I came from Florida. And there's no shame in saying, look, this strategy that we've tried of like getting people elected all across the United States has not worked. It's been 50 years. It's not getting better. Like, you can look at the Libertarian Party's results in 2021, in 2011, in 2001, in 1990. You know, go back a decade at a time and just see if there's any to the, change. To the beginning of the party? Yeah. Just yeah. see if there's any change. <laughs> there's nothing. Nothing and, changes. You know, it never oh, changes. A, a big, you know, good result is to get over 2%, right? Like, if yeah. you're in a three-way race as a Libertarian. So there's just no progress. And uh, the only way to get progress is to gather together to concentrate our efforts in one place. And look, the state is afraid. They don't like it. <laughs> the, uh, the, what are they called? The Hillsborough County. Hillsborough Democrats, yeah. Yeah, the Hillsborough County Democrats. Hillsborough is the biggest county in New Hampshire. It's the one where Manchester is. And uh, they had a meeting, what was it, Sunday, I think, where it was basically a 90-minute long freakout session about how successful the free staters have been. 
and how well organized we appear to be, even though it's a decentralized movement. Like, there's not some sort of puppet they, master. They don't at the seem top. to understand like decentralization. No, they have they, no they, idea. Like, yeah, they it, the, they think people get paid to come here. It, right. it, it was, the it was Coke Foundation. really funny. Like, it was like a top down. They think like this is some sort of top down organized like thing that's going on. That's because they think everything's organized the way they organize. Right, right, like and it's like that's not yeah. where, where I want. Where I want to know where my money is, man. Yeah, you know, from where, what was it? Uh, who, who was it? The, the Coke Brothers. Yeah, the Coke yeah. Brothers. I want to remind money is from the Koch brothers. That's, that's one of the things that they were saying is that we're basically being paid to like move here. And it's yeah. like, no. <laughs> so uh, check it out. Go to the free state projects website. They got some good stuff over there at FSP.org. Uh, but want to continue on what's happening in Venezuela. So uh, this is again, a story from Mises, the Mises Institute. They're talking about how Venezuelans have a hyperinflating currency. And we've been covering this for years on free talk lives they say it's not surprising then but all but the poorest venezuelans have abandoned the boulevard as a medium of exchange let alone a store of value or unit of account u.s dollars are the exchange medium of choice in caracas and other large cities while the colombian peso dominates along the colombian border particularly in the regional city of san cristobal the brazilian real is current along the southern border with Brazil, and the euro and cryptocurrencies have also found niche uses. But what's wonderfully surprising is the spontaneous emergence of a pure gold currency in a remote region of southeastern Venezuela around the towns of Tumaremo and El Callao. The region abounds with precious metal ores and has a long history of luring prospectors and miners seeking fortunes. Today, however, many of the larger mines are controlled by the government military, which is battling local gangs and guerrillas. Despite the violence and lawlessness, jobless Venezuelans from far and wide are flooding into the area to work in thriving illegal mines. Oh, okay. I was like, where are they getting this gold from if... I just thought it was coming in over the borders or something, but wow. Literally mining it without permission from the government. I like it. It's awesome. uh, in exchange for payment in gold nuggets. So people willing to work illegally in illegal mines are actually getting paid in gold. That's awesome. Uh, down there. And as a result, gold flakes, which are peeled off of the raw nuggets with hand tools, have become the currency of choice in that region, with prices for commodities and services now being quoted in grams of gold. So when you're on the streets going shopping in these towns in southeastern Venezuela, you might see a price, you know, listed on the shelf in grams of gold, which is amazing. Uh, Half a gram of gold buys you a one night stay in a local hotel, while a meal for two at a Chinese restaurant and haircut will cost you a quarter of a gram and an eighth of a gram, respectively. The gold flakes are carried in people's pockets, usually wrapped in the nearly worthless boulevard notes. So they're actually using the boulevards. To hold I, I, nearly worthless guess, because at least it can hold your gold. Right, right. I, I guess it's good for something. Those boulevards. <laughs> yeah, and actually, if you go online, there's uh, there's some really cool like uh, purses and wallets that people are making. If you look on like eBay, if you search oh, I've for seen that. boulevard yeah. wallet or boulevard purse or whatever, people are taking the boulevards and they're using them in sort of like an, a really complex origami. You know, like folding them. Yeah. And, you know, making them fit together in a way that you can actually make things out of, which are far more valuable than yeah. the actual wow. boulevards themselves. It's honestly pretty sad. For one thing, mining work is dangerous even in like oh, yeah. the United States where we have all this technology and you know people have been doing it for a long time. It's not illegal and everything. I bet it's really dangerous. While some shops are equipped with scales to weigh the gold flakes, most sellers and their customers have become so familiar with them. So they're that popular that they just eyeball them. They are evaluating them just by looking at them. It's like, okay, mm. that looks like enough. You know, you get paid you get paid often enough in in a 
you know, gold flakes, you know yep. what they look like. <laughs> uh, most sellers and their customers, uh, let's see, let's, uh, for example, a barber and his customer who transacted for the haircut agreed that three gold flakes equaled the one-eighth gram price, which is approximately $5.00. Gold is also starting to penetrate into the nearby cities, such as the regional capital, Ciudad Boulevard, and uh, as stores and shopping malls gladly accept gold in exchange for dollars from miners who are seeking to cash out. For gold to become a full-blown currency that can viably compete with deprecating dollars and other foreign currencies, the raw nuggets need to be minted into convenient shapes and sizes and their weight and fineness certified by reputable firms. Of course... We know the solution to this. It's the gold bag, <laughs> which is an amazing product. Unfortunately, it's at this time only available in the United States. Uh, you should check out goldback.com. They're not a sponsor here we on Free Talk. You can get it Talk. online outside of the United States, right? Yeah, but good luck getting it through customs. That's the problem. Yeah. If you order. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, look, if you're a customs agent in uh, Venezuela, you're probably oh, corrupt. I didn't mean Venezuela. I mean, like, it's not only available to order online if you live in, like, Europe, right? You could, you can, in theory, have them shipped anywhere in the world. The yeah. question is, can you get them through the customs of the country to yeah. which you're having them? Usually, so any country, sorry, not just like Venezuela. Gold like... coins are banned for mail for wow. customs purposes. I didn't know that. Well, plus, you know, a lot of customs is very corrupt in countries, True. especially south of the border. And you never know what's going to get through and, and what's not. But if you want to weigh in here, the number is 603-283-6160. Very exciting that people are taking up alternatives to government money all around the planet. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. 603-283-6160 is the number. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, we've got Ian. Chris. And Bonnie. And don't forget about Intercoin. We've been telling you about Intercoin for a while now, and it is to the point where it has now launched its investor token worldwide. Intercoin can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. And now, for the first time, you can go to a centralized exchange and actually just buy Intercoin. You don't have to go through some crazy process. In fact, they don't even have know your customer requirements on the xmarkets.com exchange. It's exmarkets.com. All you need to sign up is an email address. So they keep your privacy intact over at xmarkets. You can then deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, trade them on the exchange for Tether, because you can you can only buy Intercoin's token with Tether. So then you use the Tether to buy the ITR uh, token, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. Over at xmarkets, exmarkets.com, you just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. Now, of course, uh, you can bring up anything that you want. The number is 603-283-6160. We were just talking about Venezuela and how at least one part of uh, Venezuela, the south, I think it was southeast part of it. Yeah, southeastern Venezuela, uh, in a couple of towns, they have illegal gold mines. Because the government has, of course, what they do in Venezuela, what they've been doing for you know decades now, is taking over, nationalizing successful businesses, and then running them into the ground. And so... It shouldn't be a surprise that when the same government that has taken over the oil business and taken over, you know, grocery stores and taken over, you know, you name it, hun- literally hundreds of businesses have been taken over uh, by the Venezuelan government. Shouldn't be surprised when you find out that one of those types of businesses is the gold mines. Of course, <laughs> right? They're going to go for the money. 
And they did that. So now people are illegally mining gold. And they're getting paid in gold to illegally mine it. They're then taking that into the towns and they're buying things with it. And there's enough people doing this. This isn't some, like, you know, freak occurrence. There are enough people doing this to where the stores actually are pricing things in gold flakes. It's just crazy to me that you could hide a whole gold mine. Like, how are they not getting found out? Immediately. Well, not all gold mining is done in like mines. Like there's streams where you can pan for gold, right? And things mm-hmm. of that nature. Yeah, so. but I mean, they're saying it says in the story they're illegal mines. Now, just because it's a gold mine, but not the kind of mine that you're probably thinking of. It's I, probably like a hole in the ground. Well, that's and, I, it's probably a small entrance. Yeah, and then gets larger on the inside. Would be my guess. You know, an entrance that's hidden away from you know a. A busy road or whatever. I mean, and the way the word gold mining, like I've I've seen it used in like underwater, underwater like gold mm-hmm. mining, like like, and it's not like you think it's like a hole in the ground that's dug mm-hmm. under the water, but it's like it's still. Well, this would be interesting to see, like actually what it is. Yeah, like, to have a an undercover camera or like a you know where. You know, where the camera goes in, they they don't show the cameraman how they get to where they're going, and then they can show mm. off their operation without having to reveal anything about where its actual location is. It would be interesting to see, like, a documentary about this whole phenomenon of gold being used as currency, which is what gold can be used for. And as we were saying, the gold back proves it. And for listeners that don't know, I didn't mention what it was. It's a, it's a one one thousandth of an ounce. That's the lowest denomination. There are five denominations of the gold back. But the smallest one is one one thousandth of an ounce. And it's a little bit smaller than the size of a U.S. dollar. It's a little shorter uh, than that. It's very, very thin. And they've come up with a way to take that small amount of gold. Because if you think of like... Think of like a gold coin or a gold one ounce piece, and now try to imagine dividing that by a thousand, and how small of a you know a fleck basically of gold that that would be. It'd be a very very small amount of gold. You'd lose it unless you wrapped it in your boulevard. <laughs> exactly. But even then, they've got to be really careful with these yeah. things because I mean, gold flakes, you know, little bits of gold, those are easy to lose. I and mean, the convenience of gold backs over gold flakes is right. enormous. It's huge. Yeah, it's, it's worth. Whatever the premium is, there is a premium, right? So if you get a, a little bit, a, one one thousandth of an ounce of gold, technically right now is worth about a buck eighty five. I think. I think an ounce of gold is selling for about eighteen hundred and fifty dollars. So, but that's presuming you could get it at spot, which you really can't yeah. do. So it's probably more like you know two dollars and fifty cents. But you're gonna pay at least, I think, right around uh, three fifty four dollars for a gold back, and that's because there's a very high tech manufacturing process involved in making the gold back and making it so much more convenient and making it something you can just stick in anybody's wallet you can pull out you can count you don't have to worry about it if it falls to the ground you can see it on like a you know fleck of (laughs) gold or something like that when um i went to a pizza place in utah with my dad i had just gifted my dad two gold backs Mm -hmm. and the lady that owned the place we started talking to her and I asked her if she accepted cryptocurrency, and she didn't really seem to understand crypto and was just like, no. Was she a little older? Um, no, she was like in her 30s or 40s. Huh. Okay. And um, my dad was like, oh, I should show her my gold backs you just gave me. And he showed it to her, and she was just like, my dad loves gold. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, like, <laughs> can I buy one off you? And he agreed, and I showed her how to look up how much it costed. It was like, I don't know, $3.50. And she's mm-hmm. like, let me give you $10 for it. Wow, that's got to be like a record sales for a gold back. Just because she thought it was so cool. She wanted to give it to her dad, and she said it was just like so pretty and definitely worth more. I know they go for like a premium on eBay. They do. Um, Yeah, Yeah, you pay like six, seven bucks, eight bucks, yeah. 
they're amazing, and that's because there's a high demand for these things yeah. out there. They actually had to expand their production facilities, so they've now like quadrupled their production capacity, and they expect they're going to need to do more. Uh, at this point, so it's it's incredible. They're I think they're about to launch South Dakota, so they've got the Utah gold back, the Nevada gold back, and the New Hampshire. Did they come out? Does anybody know if they came out with Wyoming? I know that was on the way. I don't know if that actually officially launched yet. Maybe it has, I and, I missed, I, and I, I missed it. I mostly was just interested in New Hampshire. Sure, sure. Well, you know, <laughs> but we're I'm a little biased here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, we started with the Utah one because that, true. that was all that there was, and people still loved it. You know, yeah, it absolutely. They didn't care what the state was that was you know stamped on the front. Although the artwork's all different for each of the the different states, and they use like very. Uh, you know, state oriented or not, not, not state as in government, but the land and the, the, the beasts and the trees and, you know, the mountains and things that are specific to that particular area, uh, as well as some, some like historical events to kind of craft the artwork on these things. If you haven't seen them, you really, you know, if you care about good money, if you care about sound money, if you love the idea of, of gold, because, hey, we love cryptocurrency here on Free Talk Live and we talk a lot about it, but, Gold still has a place. I understand there's a, there's the Bitcoin maximalists out there. They believe Bitcoin or nothing else, right? Like mm. they hate anything besides Bitcoin. They look down their nose at, uh, at people that are still interested in gold. And I can understand why they feel that way. Because if you look at the price of gold and the price of Bitcoin in the last decade, well, the price of gold basically stayed pretty flat. Yeah, I you know, I like stuff that I can use, honestly. And it's kind of interesting. It's like I, I, I'm not... I'm not a gold. I'm definitely not a gold person, but at the same time, like it, it, it's useful. If it's useful, that's that's really what matters, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, check it out if you haven't done so yet. They're doing really amazing stuff over at Goldback.com, and and I wish that it would be something that we could, you know, get smuggled into Venezuela. Um, I, I'll tell you this: down in uh, in Mexico. This is where I first heard about the customs being an issue. I imagine you've dealt with it as somebody that sells oh, yeah. internationally, Chris. But all time um, in uh, in Mexico, uh, some old friends of the show are down there. Angel Clark and and her husband Dave. They've lived down there for several years. And when we went down to Anarchapulco a few years in a row, she would ask me to bring her cigarettes <laughs> because there was a specific type of cigarette that she couldn't get in Mexico. Because like you know you want to go buy some Marlboros, they're on the store, store shelves. But there was like one particular like grape flavored cigarette that she really wanted, and she could only get it in the states. And if she tried to have it shipped, customs would just take it. Not because it was illegal to ship it in, but because customs just wants to take cigarettes or you know they're corrupt take, and yeah they're just corrupt they're like yeah. oh these are cool yeah they right? just assume it's a bribe you know like <laughs> oh yeah just take it because there's nothing you can do about it yeah, right? there literally is nothing you can do um the only it's interesting it's like they're, they're, you know it's actually interesting because you, you can get stuff into like mexico and a lot mm-hmm. of these countries if you're willing to pay the premium to get it there but otherwise it just gets stolen at customs. And when so, you say the premium, is there like some special way to get it through customs I, that will guarantee kinda, it? Yeah, kind of. Do you like um, have a courier that yeah, stays with it the whole time or something? Yeah, yeah. Basically, you just hire a private courier. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's it's, it's um, it would be like DHL or UPS or FedEx as opposed to going with the postal system. Ah, so it's it's the postal okay. system where all of this kind of corruption uh kind of goes on and um it's because there's and i don't actually fully understand like why it's only that way but like i i do understand that if you want to get something into a country pay the private sector because the private sector will get it it, it there i wouldn't be surprised if a u.s postal worker fed had some arrangement with customs like yeah you want to steal the cigarettes you've got to give me three of them 
Could be. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 interesting. You can you can definitely get stuff into some countries through the postal system without a problem. And sometimes it's actually easier to go through the postal system, like from the U.S. to Canada. But in a lot of countries like South America, Europe, um, private private carriers, the best way to go. Yeah. So maybe that's a way that you could get some gold backs into Venezuela. It would be Probably. worth experimenting with. You know, if you know somebody in Venezuela, see if see if they can accept those deliveries. And unless it's like contraband down there, who knows? There's more coming up here. Hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, the number if you want to join us here. Whatever you want, 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160, you can bring up whatever is on your mind, joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian and Chris and Bonnie, coming up Bonnie, you're going to be telling us about a record psilocybin trial being, I guess, very successful, and that's on the way here tonight, plus DUI checks in all cars coming soon. According to the federal government, at least all new cars, I believe, if I recall the story correctly, it's after 2026, uh, but we'll get into that. Chris, you have that story as well, so we'll talk about uh, we'll talk a little bit about drugs on the way here tonight. Of course, we've been talking about money, and we were discussing Venezuela and how now a, uh, the southeastern corner of Venezuela is starting to be flooded with gold flecks as people are illegally mining gold in Venezuela so they can use it on the streets as currency instead of using the insanely inflating, hyperinflating uh, boulevard currency where the government just knocked six zeros off of the boulevard at the beginning of October. Now, here's the weirdest thing about this. For years, we have been following Venezuela's various different news coming out of Venezuela. And there has always been this website that I turn to, dollartoday.com. I always bring it up. I always use it for an information source because what they provide is a black market rate for the U.S. dollar. And what that means is in Venezuela, the boulevard has an official exchange rate. So the government sets the exchange rate at whatever it is. And then there's the real exchange rate that you actually get when you go on the streets and you offer somebody, you know, a dollar in exchange for Boulevard or Boulevard in exchange for dollars. What is that actual rate compared to the official rate? The weird thing is Boulevard or Dollar Today, even though they're posting news, like there's fresh stories on the site every single day. The numbers haven't changed since the beginning of October as far as the 
the rate. Maybe they've been compromised. Something is really re- weird at Dollar mm. today because because the last time the Venezuelan government knocked five zeros off was in 2018. So they knocked six zeros off last month. In 2018, they knocked five off. And within a month, I mean, those numbers were starting to run up. So, like, they keep on cranking the inflation. You know they haven't stopped inflating the money supply. So I don't know what's going on with Dollar today, but it is no longer, I don't think it's accurate at the, the top of the site. So I don't know what's, what's happened. I can't, I, I don't believe that they've stopped inflating their currency. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. As, as the U.S. hit hyperinflation, so the dollar's going <laughs> right alongside Whoa, the boulevard. That'd be that crazy. could be, right? Oh, my God. I mean, that seems even, that, that seems like unlikely. But Yeah, I don't think we're in yeah, hyperinflation yeah. yet because you, you would see it at the grocery store, right? Like if we were in yeah, hyperinflation, right, right. Yeah, you would know it. You'd see $10 loaves of bread and, uh, you know, th- that's probably going to happen within it, a few years. It's definitely, right? it's definitely, I mean, you can definitely go to the grocery store and see the prices have gone up. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's, yeah, I yeah, mean. But you're still paying like four or five bucks for a loaf of bread. Or, just you know. not at the same, yeah. to the same degree. They're not you, doubling you, every you, week. Uh, right, right. Not exactly. doubling every week. Not As, yet. Uh, Venezuela, not, not yet. yet. But yeah, 5% here, 5% there, and it, it does add up. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that. And since we're talking about third world countries, I wanted to play this video of a government gang crushing dirt bikes. Uh, and have you guys ever seen these third world countries where they they take things from people and then they just like lay them out in a field or, you know, in this a dump or something and they just destroy them? No. Have you ever seen this? So, so an example of this yeah. that I've seen before is like in Iran, for instance. It's illegal, if I, and uh, Cuba is also like this. There's a few countries that are like this. There's a few of them in the Middle East. I think Iran's one. Cuba's another one I know for sure. But it's illegal to have a satellite dish. So your own personal satellite dish on your house, like we're used to it, right? Like everybody, yeah. you know, if you don't have cable or whatever, you might have a satellite dish. They're common. You see them as you're driving around. In places where they restrict the information where you know freedom of speech does not exist satellite television is a threat because well anybody can be up on that satellite they don't have the government of that country doesn't have control over what that information is that's coming off of that satellite it's not from their it's not from their government right like the the government may have their own like government television channels for instance and they don't want you to have access to something else so they will literally confiscate people's satellite dishes. And then I've seen footage of like bulldozers running over hundreds of confiscated satellite dishes. From these I, you know, countries. It's, it's funny. I've seen this for uh, Bitcoin mining rigs. <laughs> where they, they Really? Did, uh, yeah. Like what? Which country? In China? You I'm trying to think what country it was. It was. It might have been China or something like that, but I, I'm not even 100% sure. I, I'm, I'm, I think there's been multiple countries. I don't think even think it's just been like one country, but there's been different countries that have done that with Bitcoin mining. So here's rigs. a video from an, a more recent video where the same sort of thing is happening, except this is dirt bikes. So they've confiscated illegal dirt bikes, which is anything in this particular third world country. I guess you're just not allowed to use uh, dirt bikes at all. So weird. Uh, and so they've confiscated them and they've run them over with a you know heavy piece of equipment. I just wanted to play this. Anyone out there has an illegal dirt bike, don't even think about it. Because the NYPD will find it and will crush it. <laughs> These dirt bikes do not belong in New York City. It's against the law, period. Dirt bikes are dangerous. <laughs> Hundreds of these dirt bikes have been confiscated. There's going to be more coming. 
And you know why? Because the community is helping us. There are some problems that are tough. The community is helping. Oh, by the way, yeah, you probably heard this is New York City. Yeah, I was so shocked that you were talking about New York City for one thing, but but I bet they have those stupid city scooters that people just go out and like cross a crosswalk with without even looking both ways. Oh, the ones that are like sponsored by the banks and you have to pay and rent them. Yeah, those rentable scooters in cities. Oh, I hate them. Here's the next question. What's the difference between a dirt bike and a motorcycle? Just a little smaller. I don't know. Yeah, what it's is really the, not that? Engine, I don't. I don't size? know that there is one. Yeah. Like basically, and they're saying it's a threat, like or a danger. <laughs> it's like, do you also outlaw motorcycles? I mean, this is so ridiculous. I bet they don't. No, uh, you know, maybe the dirt bike manufacturers didn't pay their bribes to the the city of uh, of New York. But there's only yeah. a few seconds left here, so let me continue. To overcome, but there are other problems you can smash and you can crush, and this is one of them. Yeah, he's really excited about this smashing and crushing. Now, just so you he's know, he's a hero, Ian. This was. <laughs> I wanted to play this as a as I guess a goodbye. This particular uh, mayor is no longer in in power in New York City, but that doesn't mean that this program won't be continuing. Yeah, I was going to say the, the next guy. guy is going to do the same thing as the last guy. You yeah. just know it. Yeah, I mean, this is it's they're prohibited. It's in it's New, New York, York City. City, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> New York City prohibits everything. dirt bikes. Everything is illegal in New York City. And if it's not illegal, they'll still ticket you for it, and, and then good luck fighting it because they won't even they won't let you. It, I'm guessing dirt bikes are cheaper than a motorcycle, but you know I've never looked I've never looked into it. Right? I don't know. Like, they I seem just, smaller. Yeah, again, if only maybe, Matt was here, he would know. He would. Yeah, maybe it's like the engine size. You know, like the the number of maybe. CCs or whatever the cylinders uh, in the engine. I'm sure if you're out there and you know the difference, you can call us at six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. I just thought that was an interesting, but safety. You know, I mean, he he very was very clear that it's a safety issue. Yeah, are they How that is much it more a dangerous? Safety issue, right? Well, like, I mean, there's no doubt motorcycles are dangerous to sure, to but ride. relative to dirt bikes, can't be much of a difference. Uh, yeah, I mean, there come on. Be. So it's all about the money. It's all about the you know paying the government the bribes, and they I'm sure they don't want people like easily getting around the streets, right? Because that's what having a bicycle or a dirt bike mm. or whatever would allow you to do is. Oh, is there a traffic jam? Well, no worries. You can just go through the middle right. of the cars, right? Like there, you can fit through there with something like a dirt bike. Maybe they're a little thinner than your tip, your average motorcycle. And you know, it's it's so interesting because it's almost like you would think that they would like mandate like that type of bike as opposed to cars that take up more space and mm-hmm. you can get less in. And because aren't it's the dirt bikes like, way more efficient? Like, I mean, I don't know, know about like because there's no weight and environmentally, but like certainly you can you can squeeze more dirt bikes and then you can squeeze yeah. in cars. Well, when so. I lived in San Antonio, I was always always thinking about this because everything's kind of a conspiracy in my mind i was always in traffic jams like every single day mm-hmm. and i would think is this something like me and my friend would always talk on the phone while we drove separately and we would always say it looks weird like this is purposeful like why isn't that guy just going you know stuff like that and i would start to think do they purposely cause traffic jams because you're just less productive throughout the day you get depressed you're no, not making as much money it's just probably just government incompetence and their inability to manage anything successfully like central control and central management just is a failure and that's what they do with the roads they're yeah. centrally controlled and managed by the state there's more coming up here you can join us on free talk live It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what is on your mind. Just dial in at 603-283-6160. 
That is 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian and Chris. And Bonnie. We were just talking about uh, New York City, where they are, <laughs> they've got propaganda pieces out uh, bragging about how it is that they are running over people's dirt bikes with basically heavy construction equipment. And there's like a 30-second video that was actually posted to the official mayor's channel on Twitter. So this is a video that's official, you know, by the New York City government bragging about uh, how many bikes they've stolen and how they're going to destroy them. And uh, our guest here in the studio pointed out during the break, like, why wouldn't they just sell them? Well, I, they want to they want to show how tough they are, right? They're being tough on crime. <laughs> they should start putting out videos where they take people's weed and then just show their officers smoking it to destroy it. <laughs> Well, I guess well, I guess they can't really do that in New York City, although it is decriminalized, uh, from what I understand, in, in New York State. Mm. But anyway, there's other news out of New York City, and then we'll get into the psilocybin trial, Bonnie, that you wanted to tell us about coming up here. But since we're talking about New York City, there's a new guy that got elected. So this, this, this a-hole that we were just playing, the audio of Bill de Blasio, he's gone, apparently. Uh, he was the one that was, you know, lording over New York City during the COVID with all the crazy rules. And, of course, this new guy's not going to repeal any of that stuff. So nope. don't, don't expect that things are going to all of a sudden get free. That's in New York City. <laughs> but the interesting thing about the new guy is, for all of whatever his problems might be, he's apparently a supporter of Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and his opponent, actually, in the race, the Republican, so the Democrat guy won. Of course, it's New York City. Uh, but the Republican guy was also in favor of Bitcoin. So Wait, what? Yeah, you actually had two Bitcoin <laughs> advocates uh, running for mayoral the mayoral seat in, in New York City. Well, you know, now they can be pro-Bitcoin uh, because it's now getting all taxed and everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bitcoin is definitely, you know, coming into its own. And unfortunately, that does mean it is legitimate or being legitimized. And and uh, so there, the more regulations, the more taxes, the more government guys feel comfortable with coming out that they're into it. And so according to Cointelegraph.com's Brian Quarmby reporting that the new mayor-elect Eric Adams is giving his blessing to what is being called New York City Coin. Quote, we're glad to welcome you to the global home of Web3, said crypto-friendly mayor-elect Eric Adams in response to CityCoin's rollout of NYC coin this week. Now, Chris, what is Web3? Uh, comes after Web2? I have no idea. Oh, you hadn't heard? You heard <laughs> I, don't, about I don't know what this is Web3. I, I mean, I, is that... Like I feel like it's a terminology that's been used, but it's I don't know that there's anything specific technologically speaking about it. Yeah, I I've heard the terms. Remember, Web 2.0 came yeah. about when they were talking about how oh, the the old explanation used to be that Web 2.0 was you would interact with the websites more, like you could post comments. That was like active Web content. 2.0. I think. Yeah. When was that? Like when were people talking like about Web 2.0? Yeah, like more than just over a decade ago was. There's when, already websites with comments i don't get that's it. true i mean that yeah. that is definitely true but that was sort of what defined what web 2.0 was it was, was, it was more like dynamic content i think so like if you clicked on something you didn't get a whole new web page it was the same web page and so it was dynamically loading content in the background so according to tim berner lee who has claimed to be the founder of the world wide web web 1.0 was the readable phase of the web we see limited interactions between users that that was sort of described as 
we the websites tell you the viewer what is important web 2.0 was the writable phrase uh, phase of the web where users could interact with the site and with each other so having comment sections was a very early version of uh, web 2.0 where instead of just reading the news story the viewers of the site could then post a comment and talk to the other readers about the news story. That's so, not my recollection of what Web 2.0 meant, but okay. Okay. Well, that's that's <laughs> my is, recollection of it, and that's what this yeah. story here. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Know, I don't know who Tim Berner-Lee is, but this website here There's says so he's, many people he's, that... He's the guy behind the, the internet. This is what he okay. said, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I... I, I uh, that's, that's fine. You can... I was going to say, there's so many people that they credit with creating the inter- internet. Lady Gaga's dad is one. I always see that. Like, Lady Gaga's yeah, dad created Al Gore. the internet. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's well so it's interesting the, the internet is like a bunch of different things right mm-hmm. like it's there's like tcp ip and then there's like also um you know like the web like as in a web browser right mm-hmm. so and then there's there's but there's other protocols so sure. like this is like library yeah yeah exactly exactly so and so web 3.0 according to Berner lee is the executable phase of the web and here computers can interpret information like humans to then generate personalized content for users so i don't know exactly what that so means is that like getting like, an instagram ad for a necklace that you saw somewhere else all, all or I'm, talked about all, all i'm thinking of is activex right now activex is what activex i don't know if you guys remember activex it's microsoft right? yeah it was the microsoft thing back in the day with internet explorer and there was content and it's like it's web 3.0 so that's why it sounds like he's almost saying like it's, like a, it's, a, retool, it's a retooling of that yeah it's like activex 3.0 like it's the, it's the next version of activex and there is actually something sort of akin to like activex or something called um asm or web asm and it's like basically like running applets in your browser or, or or like java kind of so it sounds to me like this new york city mayor elect eric adams is just throwing around buzzwords it's like oh yeah. web three that's a thing <laughs> we're the new home of web three come on in new york city coin uh they set to launch this week it actually kicked off apparently two days ago with the community-led proposal endorsed by the mayor elect the new york focused cryptocurrency is being launched by city coins the same firm that launched miami coin what like two months ago or something like that did you guys recall hearing anything about yeah i barely miami heard coin? about it and haven't heard any updates really i think we covered it on the show didn't we, we definitely covered it i didn't know if it was on our yeah. our show or when yeah we it was it was a friday show i believe the project uses the stacks protocol built atop the bitcoin blockchain to enable smart contracts and issue its coins city coins tweeted tuesday that it was activating nyc coin mining this week after adam stated last week on Thursday that he wanted to have a city coin for New York City like Miami. Adams followed that up on Monday by posting that, quote, we're glad to welcome you to the global home of Web3. We're counting on tech and innovation to help drive our city forward. Because right now they're driving people out who care about freedom, at least. If you're still in New York City and you actually love freedom, you need to really start thinking hard about getting out to uh, to New Hampshire, where there's a great little tech corridor in Manchester and Nashua and Concord, from what I understand. Uh, Adams was elected as New York City's mayor in November and will take the reins at the start of 2022. The 61-year-old is a strong crypto proponent and has vowed to take his first three paychecks in Bitcoin and has advocated for crypto education to be taught in local schools. He said, quote, we must open our schools to teach the technology to teach this new way of thinking, he said on CNN recently. Personally, if I lived in New York City, which is like a parallel universe that wouldn't happen, I would vote against him getting paid in Bitcoin because I don't want 
to pay the government in Bitcoin? <laughs> in something that's actually worth something, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in order for him to get paid in Bitcoin, that would mean that the government of New York City would have to actually have to have their own cryptocurrency yeah. in hand. And I'm sure they've stolen some from somebody somewhere. Good point. Yeah, they probably took some from some drug dealers or something like that. More coming up here. Uh, or maybe the guys with the bikes, the dirt bikes. They stole their Bitcoin at the same time. Uh, 603-283-6160 is the number. More about this, you know, innovative mayor in New York City. What is this New York City coin all about anyway? It's Free Talk Live. Will this coin be coming to a city near you as well? We're coming up. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Talk live and open phones here. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian and Chris and Bonnie. We're talking a little bit about cryptocurrency uh, with the New York City coin in the news now. Uh, Miami coin came out a couple, I think a couple months ago, maybe like August, September range, and made some headlines. Uh, It's the first of its kind, the first city coin. And there's a group called citycoins.co that is that is minting these things, if you will. They're based on a system that I had never heard of uh, called Stacks, which is somehow using Bitcoin to add a special layer to it that allows Bitcoin to now you know have programming. Uh, Stacks' website at stacks.co says they can build uh, build apps and smart contracts on Bitcoin, which is not what Bitcoin was originally designed for. So they're somehow making, you know, adding this on top of Is Bitcoin. this like a lightning network thing? Like you can still use Bitcoin without it, but yes. this is another layer you could that's use? That's what I'm thinking it is, Bonnie, without having done any serious research into it. That's, that's what, you know, because this isn't native to Bitcoin. It's something they've added on top of it somehow. Uh, is, and so, is this part of the, the update? The, no, no, because okay. has nothing to do with the update for Bitcoin, which is different. That's something okay. else that's happening. Gotcha. Uh, besides that, but uh, just to kind of tell you a little bit about, about these city coins here. So uh, the New York City coin is the latest one. So Miami started, and now, now of course, you know New York doesn't want to get shown up. They want to be, you know, if they weren't first, number one, number they one, be number second. one. And so this new mayor, he's a proponent of cryptocurrency. His name is Eric Adams. And he's saying that uh, he's going to take his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. Why just the first three? I don't know. If you're going to take three, why not, you know, take 300? Uh, But uh, still, you know, interesting. He said that uh, he wants to put it into the government schools as an educational curriculum. Now, according to Cointelegraph.com in Miami, the city's commissioners voted to accept funds generated from Miami coin. However, city coins noted that it is has yet to officially partner with New York's government, despite the social media endorsement from Adams. 
According to the CityCoin's website, quote, CityCoins like NYC Coin are grassroots initiatives. As communities grow around CityCoins, they can encourage their mayor to claim the reserve city treasury wallet and begin putting its funds to use. So this isn't an official program of the New York City government. This is something that some group called CityCoins just launched, and they want the New York City government's blessing, of course. So what they're doing is, and according to the site, I did look at it the, the other day, uh, it's the, the plan is the miners of this city coin, which I'm not sure how they're mining this, if it's on Bitcoin, how do you specifically mine this, uh, the stacks? The technology you know, has not connected with my understanding of how you know, Bitcoin works at this point. But somehow you mine these uh, the city coins into existence. And 70% of the mining rewards go to the miners, and 30% goes into a reserve wallet that is dedicated for the city government. And so then CityCoins approaches the city government and says, hey, look, we've got this free money here for you. Would you like to accept it? And they try to get the government to sign on. So the Miami government has done this. It sounds like the the mayor wants to do this. Now, he may need the approval of the, the city council or whatever, but it's basically money that is being poured into the coffers of these cities. It just sounds disgusting to me. The idea of mining crypto, even just 30% of what you're mining for the government, no. It's no terrible. Thanks. Rather just you know partake in I mean, crypto that has nothing to do with the government doesn't what, fund the government what's the what's the value in this like are people taking it or like like I, is it you mean can you spend it is that what you're asking yeah i mean like, like I why no would i care about some non-coin basically so the reason really why exist? you would care is first of all you'd have to be the opposite of chris so you'd have to be <laughs> the chris that stayed in new jersey and loves the government and okay. <laughs> that you know that the other universe of you know the opposite you of the Chris the government lover Chris the status <laughs> the status you're, me. so okay. you're still you're still just as technical right like All you're right. still you know just as knowledgeable you run your own computer business right except you're evil Chris who loves the government <laughs> you get excited every year to pay okay. your taxes so, yeah you love the New York the New right. Jersey government you go up to New York City all the time because it's gotcha. such a big government so place if I wanted to give the government money so that we have more better schools yeah and yeah, yeah yeah roads and this things is new then, revenue for the government then you'd you know start some mining and operation then, for New York City coins. Somehow right. I would start taking City coin. No, no. Whether you take it or not doesn't matter. You would just start mining it in order to give the government thirty percent of the mining rewards that they could then but, use to arrest people. But the, how do I and steal dirt bikes? People. I don't. I don't. I still don't get it. Like if I can't make money off it because it's only. Well, you would get seventy percent of the mining rewards. But seventy percent of something at zero is still zero. Well, no. It's the Miami coin's worth like two cents right now. Okay. So it's worth more than a Dogecoin. Okay. Uh, look, I don't know if anybody has like actually started using this in any meaningful way. Yeah. I haven't done that much digging into Miami Coin, but but a, a bunch of people did get into it as far as like buying it and mining it and all that. And there, I forget what the revenue was from it, but the city's like getting you know I think it's been a few million dollars worth of revenue from this so far. I and, I can understand uh, this like or like this being something that might be would be kind of cool and kind of works for like. I don't know causes people would want to support, but like I don't get it yeah. for like a government. That's because we can't understand why people like governments, but there are people like yeah, they're out that I uh, out there, and there are people within the tech community that are government 
people. They love sure, the definitely. government. Uh, and I don't understand it. Like, there's definitely a lot of libertarian tech people, but there's also another side of tech, and that is the, the obedient side, the, the side that, you know, worships the state. So this gives them something to get into. And and this is something that could take off. Now, as I've said on this topic in the past, if if a government actually were to say, we are now going to fund ourselves voluntarily by selling this coin, then I think this is an amazing idea, right? Like if you could actually stop property taxes, if the city of Keene said tomorrow, all right, no more property taxes, we will collect all of our revenue by selling Keene coin uh you know i mean this is like sort of like a good thing like in terms of at least they're not going to be pointing a gun at my head to get money out of me but at the same time no, no, like, they'll still do that they're not lowering taxes <laughs> this is extra money on top of the current budget oh man so it is terrible I like mean, from a libertarian I mean, the, perspective right and, and, and then i'm thinking like okay so now they're getting money it's not com- even if it's not coming from my pocket they're still going to be pointing a gun at my at, at my head to basically enforce some stupid yeah. law they're or taking whatever, just right? as much money just as much uh, obedience just as many dirt bikes they're doing all of the things that they they've been doing and now they got more money coming in because of new york city coin yeah they do more of it so the, the funds according to the group can be used to support whatever initiatives the city deems fit miami mayor francis suarez has stated the coins funds will go towards crypto education funding underprivileged communities and programs to mitigate the risks of climate change New York City coin users can mine the coin by forwarding STX tokens into the smart contract on stacks to receive new City coins tokens, with again 70% of the mining reward going to the users who then lock up and or stack or stake their City coins, according to the story. So that's what you need to know. New York City coins now a thing. It started, I think, yesterday or the day before that. And City coins is moving on to Austin, Texas next according to their website. So they've got a plan here, and this is something that uh, they're rolling out. I presume they're benefiting from this. You know, I don't know if they're, you know, they're early in on the uh, the mining or whatever. Obviously, they're getting some sort of revenue stream from going and pitching these things to cities. But if there actually were a city that promised that they would reduce their city budget by the amount that they got into this coin, I got to say, I would support that. Because that would be a voluntary I way of funding them. I still think it's scary to give know. the government sound money. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, let's let's take away their ability to use violence and then I'd be like all for what you're saying. Right. <laughs> yeah, and plus you can't trust them, you know, as far as you right, control. Exactly. They say one so. thing one moment and then they say something else the next. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, uh, Bonnie's going to tell us about a, an epic psilocybin trial that has been the biggest one so far. We'll talk about it on the way. And you can bring up what's on your mind here on Free Talk Live. studio with you tonight you've got ian and chris and bonnie also want to say thank you to rick hall rick is a silver amp he's doing the new amps patreon that we launched i don't know like 
a month ago now, I think, at this point. So thank you, Rick, uh, for coming on board and, and making the move over from our old AMP program. We had to blow up our old website, and with that went the old AMP system. So we just launched a Patreon to make it easy since our... Uh, credit card provider also blew up our account at the same time that we mm-hmm. blew up the website just by total coincidence and uh, so check out our patreon over at amps.freetalklive.com rick is a silver amplifier which means he's doing five bucks a month we definitely appreciate the support it's amps.freetalklive.com that takes you right over to the patreon now actually you asked a question during the break there bonnie about like local currencies was there ever a local version of the dollar or something like that right and i I came back with an example of something because we've been talking about the new york city coin and the miami coin which are basically cryptocurrency they appear to be tokens um it's not really clear to me exactly how they are piggybacking on the bitcoin blockchain but somehow they are uh through a, a group called stacks or technology or protocol or something called stacks and uh, so now you actually have a much more decentralized form of city-based currency out there with miami coin being the first and new york city coin just starting this week but back in the early 1990s in 1991 the ithaca hour began and neither of y'all had heard about this right Ithaca Hour? Oh, yeah, I've heard. I've you heard have of, heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely heard about okay. it. Okay. Uh, so essentially what it was, and it, it, whether it still exists to any extent is hard to ascertain because I under, as I understand it, the founder has passed away uh, at this point. But the guy who created this, you know, he was probably a lefty. You know, he wanted uh, people to keep the money in the current, like keep money in the community, hmm. right? And... There's nothing inherently wrong with with that idea, although that said, if I can get a better deal on something outside of the community, I'm not going to pay twice as much just, you know, for the convenience of going down the street, right? So there's a certain level at which... I would pay for convenience. Would you pay twice as much? Yeah, in certain circumstances, okay. I probably would. If I want a bottle of water on a hot day at okay, yeah, yeah. a carnival, like a I ain't going to go to the grocery store. Dude. I'm talking about a significant purchase, <laughs> right? Like you're going to buy something big. You're going to pay big ticket item. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're gonna, probably going to be a little bit more. Like if you uh, could get it delivered to your door for half the price. Yeah, and it's yeah the same probably, probably. So like it doesn't always make sense to buy local, but I can understand why people you know are interested in that. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to support your neighbors and all that. So he launched the thing called the Ithaca Hour, which basically was supposedly tied to an hour's worth of work. And he recruited local businesses to not only accept the Ithaca Hour, but also to offer their employees to be paid in the Ithaca Hour. And if I recall correctly, there was like a discount that you you would get. Uh, if you went to local stores and you paid with the Ithaca Hour, you might get like 5 or 10% off or something like that. But how come the government didn't come and destroy it like they did with the Liberty Dollar or whatever? Because the Ithaca Hour was the U.S. dollar. It was just a reissuing of it, a localized version of it, essentially. So he got the government to issue them? No. He was literally printing them out. That, but I don't get it. Then how is it the dollar? Because it was backed by $10, essentially. The Ithaca Hour was worth $10 when you went to, like, I think he actually even had some of the local banks that were exchanging them for people. So you could go and get a, you know, $10 bill in exchange for the Ithaca Hour, as I understand the the system. So that essentially did mean that it was the dollar, whereas the 
Liberty Dollar, it went down because they were alleging that the Liberty Dollar founder, and for listeners that don't know, the Liberty Dollar was a one ounce of silver. Uh, they actually had a physical product, but they also issued warehouse receipts so you could have a, like a piece of paper that entitled you to the one ounce of silver that was in a warehouse somewhere, basically. And the U.S. government didn't like that because it used the term dollar. Mm. Ithaca Hour didn't, right? It was just the Ithaca Hour. Uh, the U.S. government called the Liberty Dollar counterfeiting because it used like the Statue of Liberty. They called it a coin or, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it just sounds so crazy, though, too, because it's like, OK, do do Canadian dollars not exist? Do Australian dollars not exist? Like, yeah. like this idea that the dollar is somehow it can only be the U.S. dollar is just absurd. It was absurd. And what they did to Bernard von Nothaus and the Liberty dollar is mm. absolutely ter- terrible and and awful. And we covered that in great detail in 2007 when that raid. Happened. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but ultimately, the Canadian dollar is a quote unquote sovereign territory dollar right so they've got their own territory and they've got dominion uh and so they they can't stop you from using the canadian dollar obviously but you know it's not going to really you know most stores aren't going to accept them right in the united states so the uh the ithaca hour wasn't like a threat to the u.s money system in the same way that the uh the liberty dollar was so that's why they went after the liberty dollar that's why they hate bitcoin you know because these are also actual threats to the the U.S. dollar, whereas the Ithaca Hour was like kind of like a, a come along. It was a uh, uh, compliment, if you will, to to the dollar. It exists alongside of the U.S. dollar and exists because of the U.S. dollar and is exchangeable for uh, the U.S. dollar. So it ultimately wasn't a threat in any way, shape or form because it was just another way for people to get paid in dollars. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, what happened, though, was they... According to the uh, Wikipedia article, the Ithaca Hour notes can be found in recent years, though they have fallen into disuse because the founder of the system, Paul Glover, moved out of the area. Okay, so maybe he is still alive. He's just not there anymore. While in Ithaca, the man Glover had acted as an evangelist and a networker for the hours, helping spread their use and helping businesses find ways to spend the hours that they had received. What's even the... This is what I guess has been in my subconscious and I've just put my finger on what's annoying about this. What is even the benefit of using it, the cower, instead of a dollar? Like with crypto, obviously I see, oh yeah, you get out of the system. With gold, it's like you have something that's actually worth something. What is the value of using it at the hour instead of a dollar, ten dollars? The idea was, and this is why it's sold in a lefty town like Ithaca, hmm. was you're helping keep the money in the community. Hmm. So the okay. idea was you can't spend Ithaca hours outside of Ithaca. No one's going to take them. I guess you did say that, but my brain didn't find any value in that. So it just like <laughs> went yes. in one ear and out the other. So you would only be able to, you know, you wouldn't be able to use them at Walmart, but you'd be able to use them at some local store in downtown Ithaca, for instance. Now, whether you can still do that is a whole other question, but there's some real problems with this system. Number one, they're tied to the dollar. So as mm. the dollar is inflated, the Ithaca hour also becomes worth less and less. And secondly, there was like a real kind of janky system that these these um, hours based currencies would set up. So it wasn't just Ithaca. After a while, other towns and other parts of the, the country would start up similar things. So there was I think the mountain hours were in Colorado somewhere. I forget which town. Then there was the Berkshires, which was in the uh, the Berkshire Mountain area in western Massachusetts. So these are two that I'm aware of. There's probably more. But these people were just basically like printing these things out 
and then they would issue them to local businesses who would like, oh, are you willing to start accepting the Ithaca Hour? Well, great. We'll give you three of them per month or six per month or something like that just because you've signed on to this this system. So, uh, you know, whether that was counterfeiting or not, I <laughs> I don't know. It was definitely like, you know, and maybe I don't have all the details down, but it sounded to me like these people were just like acting like a little mini central bank mm. and just kind of printing up their own currency. Now, in theory, they were backed by a $10 bill, but were they? Maybe they were doing legal things. Like it, it was weird to me that the... Founder of Ithaca Hour moved out of Ithaca. Maybe he had to, you know, he was on he the felt run. the heat and he had to get out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know how long I, you kept you know, going. It, it's kind of interesting because it's it's sort of like you don't necessarily have to have one-to-one backing. Mm-hmm. And it's if you want to, you know, kind of print your own money... As long you as you have, to have, have enough to satisfy to, right, the orders, right? If somebody wants to turn in their 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 uh, fake currency, so to speak, or whatever their own fiat currency, you just have to have enough dollars in your account to cover whatever the demand is for a turnover, yeah. and then you can, you know, you basically you're effectively devaluing. Uh, I don't. Even, I mean, if if people actually knew that there wasn't enough. That's right, but they would dollar U.S. dollars to cover the your own fake currency, kind of. So, so if the if the issuer was honest, then it's fine, right? Then you're just losing as the dollar inflates. But if the issuer was not honest, then uh, but then I mean, then again, I mean, people still accept U.S. dollars and they're they're printing them, so I don't know. (laughs) This might not be such a bad thing. Yeah, again, it's it's old money at this point. It's an old concept. I now that we have cryptocurrencies. These things are going to go by the wayside if they still exist in any in any shape or form. Uh, but that's you know it's kind of an interesting history. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you've ever used one of these hours currencies, you want to weigh in. You can join us. Coming up, we'll talk about drugs with the psilocybin trial on the way. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited if you want to join us here. When you want to talk about local money, Venezuelans start to use gold as currency, or these city coins that are being launched in cities like Miami and New York City here in the United States. Whatever happens to be on your mind, of course, you can bring up anything. Instead, we're going to get into drugs as a topic coming up. Uh, Chris, you've got a story about DUI. Tests will be issued to drivers of cars manufactured after 2026. That's my understanding of the news that uh, you've got to share. It's getting pretty crazy uh, in the United States as far as the police state is concerned. Government's going to assume you're a drunk driver. 
Yeah, and you're going to have to prove that you're not in order to start the car. So we'll tell you about that coming up here. But first, Bonnie, you've got a story we've been uh, teasing throughout the show tonight about psilocybin. And for listeners that don't know, that's the active ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms. It's an entheogen, uh, meaning uh, the god within. And there's been a lot more attention in recent years, specifically the last two decades, roughly more so in the last 10 or 15 years, looking at things like entheogens like uh, LSD or psilocybin, peyote, DMT. These are things that uh, you know t- have been previously called psychedelics. Uh, but the newer, more, you know, with it terminology is entheogen. And so there's been a, a big study. Now, there have been smaller studies that have been done to this point looking at the use of these drugs when it comes to things like PTSD, which, of course, you know, pretty serious, especially when it comes to people that have been in the military and, you know, been involved in killings and bombings and things like that. Um, other people in you know various different traumatic circumstances. So looking at PTSD, looking at drug addiction, that, that these drugs that have been prohibited for so many decades in the United States actually might be really good at helping people solve their problems. Yeah. And the thing about it is the government shouldn't even have the ability, the any type of power to schedule it because it's not something that was created by man, it's just plants and fungi. And when you say schedule it, you're referring to the federal government's schedule of substances on which Schedule 1 includes things like marijuana and heroin, uh, which according to the government, according to the federal government, Schedule 1 substances have no recognized medical use, which of course completely ignores the fact that cannabis has been available in more than, what, 30 six states or something like that for medical use for yeah it's more like they have no federally recognized medical use that's what i'm saying yeah the federal (laughs) government will not recognize the medical usage of this medicine and it's it's kind of funny because like it's not even government because state governments certainly recognize it and certainly other countries governments recognize it yeah so well this from stat um their health uh I guess it's called STAT Health. Largest psilocybin trial finds the psychedelic is effective in treating serious depression. Eagerly awaited results of the largest ever study of psilocybin were announced Tuesday with Compass Pathways, revealing that the psychedelic drug was highly efficacious efficacious (laughs) as a therapy for treatment-resistant depression. Still, the company's stock price dropped... Treatment-resistant depression. So not just depression, but depression that is so bad that it absolutely cannot be dealt with by the standard depression treatments. But then they bring in psilocybin and it works. Yep. So like this is the worst kind of depression. Still the company, so Compass Pathways, the company's stock price dropped 16.4% by the close of trading, perhaps because of safety concerns among investors. Wow. Wait, what? I guess investors were like, what? You guys are... Why would you? Why would it go down if you have success? It doesn't make any sense. It I mean, it's, it's just, just the stigma. There's a huge reason. stigma. For one thing, it's calling things like psilocybin or peyote or ayahuasca, calling those things drugs, there's a stigma with that. Mm-hmm, sure. It's not man-made. It's not the same thing as heroin. It's just something... It's a plant that has been 
growing on this earth since before me and you were born. And people have been using it for thousands of years for various different medicinal and or you know religious ceremonial um, uses. And it's it's um, estimated that everyone's ancestors have had um, you know have have had personal relationships with these plants and fungi. So. Yeah, whether it's everyone's, uh, you know, there's a good chance that somebody in the past has done this. A lot of people probably have. Um, the phase 2B study is the largest randomized, controlled, double-blind trial of psilocybin, the psychedelic compound in magic mushrooms. The company said it found that patients who were given the highest dose, 25 milligrams, had a significant decrease in depressive symptoms compared to those given 1 milligram, which is such a low dose it functions as a placebo. Overall, which is weird, why wouldn't they just give you none for the placebo? But Well, there probably was also a placebo. No. A control group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, 29.1% of patients in the highest dose group were in remission three weeks after treatment, compared to 7.6 of those in the control group, and more than a quarter of the patients in the 25... 29- 29- hold on. 29% of them were in remission, meaning depression had gone away. Right, that's what remission is when we're talking in about the highest depression. dose group, the twenty-five yeah. milligrams. Well, and twenty-five milligrams isn't even a whole, whole lot. I'm going to have to convert that here. G- give me a moment. You can, you can continue, but it says more than a quarter of the patients in the twenty-five milligram arm were still in remission three months after treatment. Yeah, so your typical dose of like your, your typical recreational dose of of mushrooms now they're not being given mushrooms just to be clear they're giving they're being given straight up psilocybin so mm. it's really not fair to do this comparison at all but 25 milligrams is like a fraction of a fraction of an ounce right like that's a very small it's like 0.00088 uh ounces so uh, so but then again it's not fair to really compare is, that is 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 the is this a situation where you take the drug and then it goes away and you can stop taking it? Or is it something where you're like, you're continuing to take it? As I understand it, and this may, your story may address this, Bonnie, I don't know, I haven't read it, but uh, as I understand it from the previous studies that have been done, which again are, are smaller sample yeah. sizes than this one, uh, the people who take just one dose, in, and it's usually in a therapeutic setting, so they're not just taking a dose of mushrooms and mm-hmm. like, woo, going to a party or something like that. They're, they're in a setting with a therapist and they're discussing whatever you know their issues are uh that they take this one dose and it's a permanent change and the reason for that is interesting it helps create new neural pathways in your brain okay instead of something like your brain is able to address things in a different way that it has never done before yep like uh paul stamets he is a huge uh person who advocates for using psilocybin and he's just like is a a mycologist. He studies mushrooms in general. He's like he thinks everybody should take all kinds of mushrooms, not just psilocybin. Um, anyways, he's got himself to stop stuttering using wow. mushrooms hmm. because he just took a crazy high dose and went up in a tree during a lightning storm and kept telling <laughs> that doesn't his brain, sound like a good plan. <laughs> he kept telling his brain. Stop, or not telling his brain, but telling himself, stop stuttering, huh. stop stuttering. And he just did that for like hours and then he climbed out, never stuttered again. That's amazing. It's not impossible for people to do this, right? Like uh, John Stossel stopped stuttering. Now, I don't know if mushrooms had anything to do with it, but he mm-hmm. used to be a stutterer and he is not anymore. Like he was able to 
think himself out of it, basically. Hmm, nice. I didn't know that about mm-hmm. him. Well, those who received... Oh, sorry. So the ones who received the highest dose is what it, what it was saying was the ones who received the highest dose three weeks after were in remission, but um, more than 25% were still in remission three months later. So only around 4% weren't. Okay. Ever- yeah. So 25% three months later, you know, to not have their symptoms of depression is pretty significant. So even if it was that it was temporary as far as how long it lasts mm. and obviously every individual is different so maybe for sure. some people it's permanent maybe for some people you know they need another dose in another six months or something like that i mean that's still not bad right like if you're going uh, from I, I actually would have assumed that you would have to have kept taking it yeah. to be honest that's but, usually how that kind of thing is but so. with, right with, with that's like standard medication they want you on it every single right, day right, right that's what i'm wondering like so is this like a permanent fix or if, is it if you can cut back from doing a daily you know, pill from Pfizer or Moderna mm-hmm. or whatever, and go back to do like once a month or once every six months, uh, you know, quick trip, psychedelic journey, then, you know, and have your depression problem solved. That's incredible. We'll continue with more. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here. This record-setting trial of psilocybin, the active ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms, on PTSD. No, sorry, not PTSD. It was depression. Yes. Although they have been looked at for PTSD, and they're helpful there, too. Uh, The number, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're doing a BitBox giveaway. What is the BitBox? It is a 100% open source hardware wallet for your cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Ethereum as well. Uh, You can go to box.freetalklive.com to learn more about the BitBox and get 5% off by using code FTL when you place your order. You can also enter our giveaway. We're giving one away uh, here on Free Talk Live, and all you have to do is follow these instructions. So first, subscribe to our Odyssey channel at video.freetalklive.com. And maybe you're already subscribed, in which case you've already done that step. Uh, then take a screenshot of your subscription, you know, some part of the screen that shows that you're subscribed, and send it to Aria via our social media server, which you can find over at social.freetalklive.com. So if you're not over on our social media server yet, you do need to have an account set up over there, and then just tag Aria in a post of your screenshot and of you'll you following us. immediately follow Aria so you know which account is her. Correct. I think it's at Aria, if I recall correctly, but you can go check it out over at social.freetalklive.com. We'll choose a random winner on an upcoming episode of Freer Talk Live, our internet-only after show. Uh, but again, go to video.freetalklive.com and grab your screenshot of your subscription to our channel and post it, tag Aria at social.freetalklive.com. And again, you can just go to box.freetalklive.com to get your own anytime you want with code FTL to get 5% off. Again, this hardware wallet is special because it is completely open source uh, and very, very cool. Neat design. Bonnie, you've used it. It was pretty easy, right? Easy and cute. I like it. And it was your first time using any kind of hardware wallet. Yep. Right. So we go on here. Uh, more from your story in just a moment, Bonnie. But we do have Drake on the line calling from Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live, Drake. Ian, Bonnie, Chris, you got me? Hey, yeah. we got you loud and clear. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I called uh, last Friday, talked to you guys about a relationship advice, philosophical, 
philosophy question, and I wanted to say, Bonnie, I think your advice worked because I'm picking her up now, and we're going out on the town. So I wanted to say thank you. Wow, awesome. What did you do differently? I took your advice. It's kind of something that I was thinking about, being like an open tab in her mind, and, you know, it's just so easy these days to share something silly or funny on social media. You know, texting is kind of too direct, but, yeah, that's kind of what my game plan was. So thanks. Well, congratulations. So hold on. you uh, just want to make sure I'm clear on what happened. Last week you called in. There's a girl you've been interested in dating. She's just been kind of like a friend of yours, but she's she herself has sort of crossed the, the touch barrier. You mentioned that she like held your hand while you were walking her home from a recent hangout or whatever. And so Bonnie and I were, you know, our, our thought was, well, why don't you just ask the girl out? I mean, you know, what are you hold, waiting, waiting for here? And we encourage you to do it quickly. Are you saying you didn't directly ask her out? You just posted something on social media? What do you, I'm not clear on what you're saying. Oh no! Just being a, like like Bonnie said, being an open tab, uh, communicating. You know, uh, kind of. We hung out last weekend, and I asked her to go to this concert. So, and that's where you're going tonight. Nice. Yep. Okay. Nice. So, you, so you did ask her in person. You did, you know, transmit that message directly. Yeah. Okay. Because that's the way to do yeah. it, right? Like yeah. you don't want to just like post oh, on yeah. social media <laughs> and hope that somebody sees it or. Or whatever. Well, congrats. And and did she say, "Oh, is this a date? Like, is it really clear that that like <laughs> this is an actual date?" Uh, maybe I'll call back next week and I'll let you know. Official, <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. So you're in Colorado. Um, do you want to tell us like what part of Colorado you're in? Uh, the Denver area. And then I had a question for you. Where can I go? Or do you know what radio stations Free Talk Live is on out here? If any. Uh, we're not in the Denver area. What's from, the one in Cortez? Yeah, I know it's way Cortez, far away. Uh, which is nowhere near yeah. <laughs> where you are. Um, Cor- okay. Cortez, we're on KVFC. That's the only station we have in Colorado at this time, unfortunately. So I wish we had more. Uh, the thing that listeners can do in any given area if we're not on the air is to contact your local talk radio stations and ask them real nicely to carry some free talk live. So the reason I asked you where you were calling from is, like, you're in Denver. Is this going to be a vaccination-only concert? Are there going to be masks required? Or is this going to be, like, a cool venue where you can actually, like, see the person you're on a date with? It's kind of hit or miss. It's interesting. You know, I think the different artists kind of have say over it. And Mm -hmm. if they don't care or don't say, I think the venue kind of has the say. But I been to the what they call the pepsi center i don't i think it's a different name now but it's the big venue downtown went to see like a country artist and it was no uh no vax but you go to like red rocks and you're pretty much going to be asked for it so it just kind of depends so you don't know you're going to show up at this concert tonight and you have no idea what they're going to well, require this is a eight dollar concert it's more of a dive bar than a concert you okay know? okay so, so you should we'll be good see. to go then <laughs> all right cool well hey man uh anything else you want to share tonight well i had a question what on on the psilocybin you guys are talking about yeah don't ssris effectively block psilocybin or is that am i mistaken hmm. i'm not sure about that i know that um if you're on an ssri which is an antidepressant like the typical pill mm-hmm. you would get um I know you can't take ecstasy because your brain would essentially like not be able to handle the amount of serotonin being released, something like that, and you could die. So I don't know if you're on an SSRI and you don't like wean yourself off of it, 
with a doctor, then it might not be safe to just take some psilocybin. Because I know, I mean, psilocybin is a natural occurring uh, chemical in a fungus, but I don't know if it can affect you crazily like that. I have no idea. Just ask your doctor. That would be something to, yeah, you definitely would want to ask your doctor. Uh, that particular question. That's, that's I want to say seek question. legal advice, <laughs> but seek seek medical advice. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Drake. Good luck, and glad uh, Bonnie's advice worked for you, man. Appreciate it. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you've got a question for Bonnie uh, about whatever you know, you want some relationship advice, she's welcome welcoming those calls. Yep, I'm really good at relationship advice, and now I have my first success story. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> Uh, so the 603-283-6160, Bonnie, you were telling us about magic mushrooms, specifically psilocybin, the, uh, the active ingredient. And I, and I was saying well, 25 milligrams, it doesn't sound like a lot, but then I went and I did a little bit more uh, research on it. And actually, yes, according to psychedelictimes.com in another test, they talked about doing uh, 30 milligrams of psilocybin per 70 kilograms. So that's about 155 pound person. 30 milligrams is considered about a five gram dose of mushrooms, and oh that's goodness. more than an eighth of mushrooms. That's a very strong dose. So 25 milligrams is a strong dose of, of mushrooms. Okay. So just so, so that's what they were using in the study that you were talking about. And you're going to continue because there's more here. And where is this published, by the way? What's the, uh, the It's called site? STAT, S-T-A-T. STAT.com? I can't see it right now. Oh, STATnews.com. STATnews.com. More on the largest ever study on psilocybin used to be treat or to treat depression coming up here 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in maybe you've had some amazing experiences with entheogens treating your maladies this is free talk live when a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from proxima centauri the nations of earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last with the proximans facing an extinction level disaster earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course saving proxima a hard science fiction thriller by travis s taylor and les johnson from bainbooks.com it is free talk live you may join us here if you want the number is 603-283-6160 603-283-6160 joining you tonight you've got ian and Chris. And Bonnie. Yeah, of course, you can bring up whatever is on your mind, so feel free to take control of the airwaves here as we continue. Uh, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. We've been talking about psychedelics, specifically the psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms and, and theogen, as uh, people are calling them recently, that not only can be you know a spiritual experience for people but also can be a really healing experience when it comes to people that have severe depression Uh, in fact the study that you're telling us about bonnie was actually the largest study of its kind thus far so they've been getting bigger and they are studying the specific kind of depression that is completely unable to be treated by the standard methods of treatment uh, this, you know, people that have really, really bad depression found 
what was it, 29% of them went into remission yep. after taking a 25 milligram dose of psilocybin. We're going to continue with uh, your calls and thoughts on the matter here. We've got Alu Axelman calling us from New Hampshire. He's the publisher over at libertyblock.com. Uh, Alu, welcome back to Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on? So as you guys may know, I am like totally straight edge. Like besides for a drink once in a while, I do zero drugs at all. And I have like very little interest. But as a voluntarist, I believe they should all be 100% legal because I don't believe in any laws um, banning things that don't hurt others like victimless crimes. Nice. Um, what's interesting, I've, I've found over the past few years, um, a lot of my friends, besides for you guys, a lot of my friends who are the biggest advocates for legalizing all drugs, uh, cannabis, psilocybin, a lot of the hallucinogens are military people, oh, really? uh, former spec, spec ops, former big military deployed active duty stuff. Um, a bunch of Green Beret friends, spec ops comes to mind. Um, a bunch of them had uh, PTSD and depression and anxiety from obviously like being deployed and killing people abroad and stuff and doing horrible atrocities for the government. That's awesome. And nothing and nothing helped like therapy and uh, depression meds and SSRIs and stuff. And then they took uh, various programs with therapists. There are psychiatrists who have these hallucinogen programs that take a few weeks or months and and these guys swear by them and they're like proselytizing for this saying it cured them and it's like the greatest thing in the world that's As, awesome like, that program. that worked for them so you know some of these guys personally yeah i have a few friends and and they you know said that i should tell my friends who have depression to go out there to like colorado or wherever it was utah or colorado where they have this program i think wow. it's a psychiatrist or some therapist a doctor who does this it's therapy and it's a hallucinogen and is this underground is, is the psychiatrist like <sighs> secretly doing this uh basically i, I don't know I don't know how how underground it is or how uh, open it is. I think it's pretty open. I guess it's legal in that state. I think it was Colorado. Hmm. Oh, okay. Colorado makes sense. Denver. Okay. Denver, they were the first city, I believe, to pass the decriminalization method. But I don't know if all of Colorado, I've not heard anything about the state of Colorado doing that. So if it's in the Denver area, then it is very well possible that uh, that this could be being done, quote unquote, legally, or at the very least in a decriminalized manner where it was one of those things where they passed an ordinance that says the police will not enforce this, basically. Yeah, this guy was was, uh, like a very uh, respectable uh, Green Beret, who's involved in medical stuff now, he was he runs a lot of operations in uh, hospitals and stuff. So I don't mm-hmm. think he would do like super illegal underground. He's not quite <laughs> as voluntary as you and I. So I think it was pretty on the up and up. Was it, I mean, um, obviously it was his experience, but did he tell you? Was it one of those things like he took this uh, therapy session and it just changed him in one dose and one session, or did he have to keep going back? I think he said it was a program. It was like a few weeks or a few months. Mm-hmm. I think uh, mm-hmm. this is a year and a half ago. I don't remember 100%, but he, he loved it. And he said him and a bunch of other buddies from uh, former military, like it totally cured them of PTSD and depression. And now, yeah. to be honest, again, I, I don't know him before, but I know him now. And he's the most calm, sweet, awesome, oh, wow. like the opposite of anxious, totally perfect, well-adjusted, like very sweet person, like awesome person who everyone loves. So, and he says that he was like a wreck before PTSD was horrible. He was depressed and had a horrible life before wow. this program. That's why he's out there preaching it. So this is one of the things, as you know, I'm a pessimist, but, this is one of the things I'm optimistic about because <laughs> a lot of people increasingly, especially military, who, again, politicians have to pretend to love military and veterans, they, they are, I think, at the forefront of a lot of the drug legalization because of PTSD and depression from being abroad. So I think it's yeah. inevitable, as we see throughout the United States, like within five years, 10 years, 
probably that's where I think that direction is going. Every state's going to legalize or decriminalize probably every drug. Over you the know, next five w- years. when you get the military, the veterans on board with something, it is inevitable. I mean, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a critic of the federal government. I, I wish these guys never had to go to these these situations, never had to be uh, put into harm's way by you know these politicians, because ultimately they were just fighting for the glory of these politicians, and it's tragic. Uh, but they were, and so they need to get help. But whenever you can get these guys on board with an issue, there's nothing that a city council anywhere in the country can say to them, right? Because they're talking to military veterans, and these guys are basically gods to them. If a military veteran gets in front of a city council and they're looking at you know, a decriminalization measure and the veteran says, yep, this helped me solve my PTSD, I mean, exactly. that's why you're getting full city councils voting unanimously to do things like decriminalize mushrooms and, uh, and other natural substances. Yeah, and, and Bonnie just reminded me of a really important thing. I think Bonnie mentioned it right before the break, that you know, serotonin syndrome, and, and I'm not an expert on it, but pretty much if someone overdoses on on a drug that will will increase serotonin and stuff they can eventually get like all the uppers those symptoms a fast heart rate high blood pressure fever and eventually seizures and die so and and again i don't know if psilocybin interacts with ssris or other medications but also in the medical field you all are very keenly aware of interactions we don't know all of them we rely on you know the pharmacists or you know google to help us but there are interactions and when people take five ten drugs you never know what interactions are pharmacists know a lot but they also have certain uh encyclopedias they use to guide them, but pharmacists obviously know the most about drugs. But here's the thing. Right now it's underground, so we don't know exactly what's what. They ha- Once they are legalized, your doctor can prescribe you the SSRI and the psilocybin, and he can check the interactions. But until it's legalized, things are so dangerous. Yeah, the studies are very more limited. Legal, things can be more transparent than we can know exactly what ingredients is and what. So she right. kind of reminded me of interactions, because if you ask any medical person about interactions, they'll be like, Yes, it is dangerous stuff, and as people take five time medications, I mean, it is so scary. Some things interact so badly with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, and then nobody knows unless you are a, a godly pharmacist with like a photographic memory. Like nobody knows all the interactions. Sure. With a million drugs, there's there too are many combos. Potential interactions. Right. So, but with with drugs like other drugs that are not legal yet, that's one more issue. But once they're legal, at least we have a chance of catching some interaction. So it's one more important reason to legalize them. You know, Alu, I got to ask you, you've mentioned before and you mentioned it tonight that you're a pessimist. How is it that you can be so active? Like you're one of the most active people here, especially on the New Hampshire exit issue on the freedom, the, uh, the, you know, declaring independence uh, issue. You're a go-getter, you're active, you're energetic, but you describe yourself as a pessimist. How could somebody who self-describes as a pessimist be so interested in the future of freedom? I mean, I, it just doesn't it doesn't yeah, make I sense. Think that's a good question. Um, I'll say a few things. Uh, when I say I'm pessimist, I don't mean in life. I'm optimistic and pretty happy. Okay. Um, I have a great life. But I mean, politically, politically, I'm very pessimistic about the the uh, potential of freedom in the world and the United States. Mm. I'm very optimistic about New Hampshire, and that's why I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, again, being, <laughs> okay around, good. being around people like yeah. you who's optimistic, no matter what they do to you, like they could throw you in jail and you're still optimistic, that that encourages me a ton. Okay, oh. good. But, you know, like, I, I'm... I'm optimistic about New Hampshire, pessimistic about freedom in the United States or anywhere else in the world. Um, but yeah, overall in life, I'm, I'm very happy and optimistic, but it's, okay. it's politically, when I say I'm pessimist, I, maybe it's not the right term. But I yeah, mean, that like, makes more sense United to me States because is, when I hear, is, yeah. Yeah, when, when somebody describes himself as a pessimist, I hear somebody who's always angry, who's somebody's always no, negative, no. and you're not that guy. So yeah. it's like, what? No, you're right. You're right. I, I am more of an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you see things, how, how they actually are and realize that they're not good, but hope for the best. Yeah. You maybe just add a couple yeah. words like I'm a pessimist when it comes to the United. <laughs> 
United States, right? Like that makes sense because it's not going to last. It's going to fall. If you're not a pessimist when it comes to the federal United States, you are you're just not, not a attention. realist. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. We're not paying attention. Yeah, that's true. Ollie, yeah. what's, uh, what's, a, what's a fresh headline over at Liberty Block that uh, people see if they go there? Um, let me let me check the Liberty Block. We have a bunch of stuff. The uh, article about Biden pooping his pants has been read like 50,000 times already, apparently. Um, but let me see what the latest. Oh, I wrote an article with tons of studies and like 100 different studies with millions of people say that one thing, the United States cannot last together and everyone is way too divided. Love it. Ali, thanks for calling in tonight there from uh, the other side of New Hampshire. It's over in the uh, the Manchester Hooksit area. Thanks for the call, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, so the number here is 603-283-6160. We got time for you if you want to join us. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want, even in these remaining moments. We might have enough time for you if you join us right now at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160 here in the studio. It's Ian and Chris and Bonnie. Don't forget to check out Chris on his show. He does it on Saturdays starting at around 5 o'clock Eastern Time. It is Freedom Decrypted. What is it, Chris? What do you talk about there? So it's a it's a tech show for liberty slanted uh, individuals uh, or prickly people. <laughs> so uh, basically, we talk about tech, and uh, actually, we talk about a lot of the same kind of. No, I mean, uh, we talk. This show is way more uh, broad, but uh, we go into you go into the weeds a little bit. The weeds a little bit yeah. on a lot of the same types of uh, liberty kind of technical issues. Um, you know, we talk about crypto a lot and yeah. various other um, developments, privacy, privacy, like yeah, privacy kind of issues. Usually, you, often it's 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 bad stuff the government's doing. Sure, no <laughs> that's shortage at of the that. End of the day, you know, ultimately what everybody wants to hear about. So check them out over at yeah. freedomdecrypted dot com. And you guys are doing video streaming, you're doing audio, yep. uh, podcast is available later on, so you don't have to watch it live. Nope. Uh, FreedomDecrypted.com. All right, so we're going to get back into your story, Bonnie, here in just a moment, but we also have Thomas on the line calling from Keene, New Hampshire. Thomas, you're on Free Talk Live. I guess. Good evening, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Sure. It's open phones every night here. Go ahead. Um, I'm calling today. I do have to confess that, unfortunately, as your co-host had predicted, it rained today. So I couldn't conspire to talk. I have to leave for another day. Sad, but I did call today because as a former guest of the government as of last weekend and having spent at least two days incarcerated, I'm not familiar if you guys had to go through this yourselves, but there is no books, no papers, no pencils, no crayons being allowed in the jails of the current moment. Oh, my goodness. What? Yeah. And I just had about a 10-minute conversation on the jail paper, Keen, that I'm putting up. It's a series I've been doing of a young man here by the name of Kyle Sutherland that's in what's referred to as Valley Street. Are you mm. guys familiar with Yeah, the Valley, Valley Street, Street is known as the worst jail in New Hampshire. People in have Manchester? Yeah, it's in Manchester. People have turned up dead in this particular jail, ostensibly at the hands of the jail guards. At least that's what I hear from people who've been on the inside there. Uh, it's, it's a pretty bad kind of place, although some of the other jails in New Hampshire are pretty easy by comparison, from what I understand. I've been in two jails uh, in New Hampshire so far, and luckily I've avoided going to Valley Street thus far. So I personally have not had experience with it. Why, why do you bring it up? Oh, so basically, you know, I had been talking when I went in, I 
didn't talk to inmates. I only talked to corrections officials. You went so, into Cheshire County, though, right? Yeah, just in yeah. Cheshire County. So yeah. when I talked to Cheshire County, they literally, at least three Cheshire County corrections officers told me, you do not want to go to Valley. Do you, know, you guys know why? They have a 90 to 95% prison population exposure to COVID. Hmm. So the likelihood of you catching this, what some people think to be fictitious disease, is terribly high. And what they've done is that they've now eliminated like so many privileges, so many rights. HIP has gone out the window. They're literally telling other inmates about inmates' personal history, you know, like their mental health history, their medical conditions in front of other inmates. Like wow. the rule book has gone out the window. Well, I, that's interesting that you say that. I imagine that they kept you in the booking area, right? Because you were only there for two nights. Yeah, you've been there. It's just a, taking me to booking and right over to what they refer to as S block. My cell was 208. I was by myself. Oh, they put you in S block. Okay, that's interesting. I figured they would keep you in booking uh, the entire time. So normally in a, in a jail situation, at least here in New Hampshire, if you're in there just for a few days, you're not going to get what they call processed. They're not going to put you through the procedure of trying to figure out whether or not you're a danger to the other inmates. They're just going to put you in by yourself or you're going to be in booking with other inmates. But due to COVID, but they're, they're probably just doing it by yourself, uh, and that's what yeah. they did. But likely the reason you didn't get books was because you weren't there long enough. I suspect if you were in for a longer period of time, you would have had access to the book cart. Did they tell uh, you it's due to COVID? Because that's really oh, scary. Yeah, yeah I, have to, I, have to, I have to say, at least in my experience, I had a book. Oh, I did. had a book by, by Christopher Reeves. I don't know. You guys are familiar with the actor Christopher sure. Reeves. He is. He has a very, very good book called Nothing is Impossible, which hmm. all relates to his activism post-accident, you know, post Yeah, when he fell off the horse. Yeah. yeah, so he that's the only thing that kept me going because the books that they have, folks, are the biggest load of garbage ever. Like, these are books that I would not wish are my own worst enemy, but they, they just don't care. But I got lucky. But yeah. in Valley Street, they don't have such privileges as this. Oh, Valley you're saying Street Valley Street just, doesn't have the books. Okay. Yeah, Valley Street okay. is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. well, but I'm glad that you... so sad. Yeah, I'm glad that you had at least a book even while you were there for just a couple of nights. It does make the time go faster. Book. Yeah, the book was inspiring, and it was something that, you know, if you're in there to be rehabilitated, they should have books that are motivating. Did I, they actually I give you uh, access to the book cart and you chose it, or was it they just brought you like three books and you only get to pick from one of one of like a couple? You basically more like the, the latter. You mm-hmm. basically get a selection of about 15 titles in a milk cart and they're all thrown in there like garbage. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to share we, tonight, Thomas? Yes, sir. So the last thing is I have to do a beer run in about 30 seconds. So um, I am continuing my little thing of, uh, you know, I basically have my little own personal saga. But tomorrow, weather permitting, I will want to publicly admit that I could be guilty of conspiring to chalk. All right. Well, look forward to uh, seeing some photos and uh, send them along when you get the chance. Thanks for the call, Thomas. I appreciate <laughs> Thank it. You, sir. Uh, so 603-283-6160. Bonnie, let's pick up your story again here. The news is there's been a, a record level uh testing a study of uh, psilocybin, the active ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms, on a large number, the largest number of uh, depressed people. And what else do we need to know about it? It says those who received the highest dose also experienced an average reduction on a measure of 
clinical depression, the Montgomery-Osberg depression rating scale, that was 6.6 points greater than those who took only one milligram mm. of psilocybin. Okay. Other patients were given a 10 milligram dose, but there was not a statistically significant impact for those patients compared with the one milligram arm. Interesting. Mm. Everyone agrees that such a result, this is a quote, everyone agrees such a result hasn't been seen before in depression research, so we're incredibly happy with that result, says Lars Christian Wild, co-founder and president of Compass. Boris Heifetz, a neuroscience researcher at Stanford who studies psychedelics and was not part of the study, agreed the results are super promising. The effectiveness of psilocybin at three weeks, according to Compass's study, is roughly comparable to the effects of ketamine at one day, according to a smaller 2013 study. He added, which suggests the benefits of psilocybin hold up well over time. Mm. Mm. Better than ketamine, apparently. Mm. Interesting. We're still missing a lot of the detailed data, he added, but the summary results are pretty good news. Does it mention at any point um, how large the study was? It talks about that it was the largest study done thus far on uh, depressed people with mushrooms. It says the study, which enrolled 233 patients at multiple sites across Europe and North America, is the most rigorous trial on psilocybin for treatment-resistant depression and adds considerable weight to earlier smaller studies of the Mm -hmm. drug that were also promising. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has granted Compass Pathways' treatment breakthrough therapy designation, meaning the drug approval process will be accelerated if studies continue to show positive results. Hmm. Compass is working towards starting a Phase 3 trial next year. Current results suggest it'll likely use a 25-milligram dose, but Wild said that decision will be made following conversations with regulators. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the language about drug approval. Yeah. Like, what do we need? What is there going to be? A, what is there going to be some sort of... Is somebody going to patent psilocybin and try to control the marketplace on psilocybin? Because if so, there that's really bad. interest groups uh, working to try to patent psilocybin, and that's a horrible, horrible idea, and it's How just against human nature. nature. How can yep. you patent something <laughs> Welcome to government. Is- <laughs> it's a horrible idea, and it would be terrible for the people who have been using this medicine for uh, you know generations and generations mm-hmm. with their families. It'd be horrible for the average person who's never tried it before personally and, you know, has to go through maybe a certified medical uh, system to get it because it's patented by these bureaucrats. It's just the worst way to do it. Just decriminalize it, make it available to all people. That would be the best solution. And maybe we're going to see things like that happening here in New Hampshire. I know there is a bill specifically now. It's one of those bills that doesn't have a number yet. Like there's not an official final number, but there is a bill that's being proposed for 2022 to decriminalize psilocybin. So Ooh, I hope it passes. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely one to get behind for sure. Yeah. And if we can get those military veterans out, then you know it's it'll probably sail right through yeah. because Republicans love themselves a military veteran and so do the Democrats. So like I think that uh, that would give it a, a real good chance. We're out of time for tonight. You can join us online. In the meantime, head over to freetalklive.com and we'll see you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, The best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. 
Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at victimlesscrimespree.com.